Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Rex Sherman is a demon that walks among us, a predator that ruined families. The Lisk, Long Island serial killer podcast, was shocked when the news broke of Rex Hewerman's arrest. After more than a decade of searching, law enforcement officials had finally pieced together enough evidence to bring formal charges against Rex Hewerman. Initially charged with three murders, Hewerman is now officially charged with all four deaths in the Gilgo 4 case. I'm your host, Chris Moss, and the Lisk podcast will be releasing new episodes with interviews and fresh insight on the case as Rex Hewerman awaits trial in Long Island. While we are relieved by the arrest, the List podcast team will be working hard to share new developments and perspectives as we get them. So please keep your eyes and ears out for new episodes. And if you haven't already, please listen to seasons one and two of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, 
And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. We can be shaped by those who we idolize, whether that be for the best or for the worst. On December 6, 1974, a young boy was born who idolized his abusive, alcoholic father. A man who grew up to take the lives of three women, one of which was a young girl, and terrorize another. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Harvey Miguel Robinson was born on December 6, 1974, into a hard life. His father was an alcoholic who abused his wife both physically and emotionally, and by the time Harvey was three, they had split altogether. His father would later go to prison for manslaughter after beating his mistress to death. Despite the obvious issues his father had, like most boys, Harvey idolized the man regardless of his faults. This would become the catalyst for the monster he became. But before his life began going downhill, Harvey was your typical kid. He excelled in both academics and sports and won awards for both. But that dark learned behavior started to rear its head when he was just nine years old, and it would eventually eclipse all of the positives he had going on in his life. He threw tantrums, was quick to lash out, and had a hard time determining right from wrong all made worse by his substance abuse. He hated anyone of authority or anyone he felt was trying to control him. And the older he got, the more he lashed out. Soon, everyone was afraid of him, and he liked it that way. By the time he was 17, he had a rap sheet filled with arrests for things like burglary and resisting arrest. But for Harvey, that wasn't enough. Beginning in August of 1992, when he was just 17 years old, Harvey took that bubbling anger and ability to strike fear in almost everyone he came into contact with and became the first serial killer in the history of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown had the reputation of being a nice, sweet, and above all, safe place to live and raise a family. It was a place where people didn't lock their doors and felt comfortable letting children play outside or go out jogging alone. All of that changed when an unknown assailant began attacking the women of Allentown. On August 5th, 1992, 29-year-old nurse's aide, Joan Berghart, was brutally raped and bludgeoned to death in her Allentown home. Her home was burglarized by a man who broke in through the screen on the patio door, slipped his hand in just enough to reach the doorknob, and entered the home to attack its resident. The only thing that seemed to be missing, though, was $50 from a drawer in her bedroom dresser. Unfortunately, because she lived alone, no one knew Joan was lying dead on her living room floor. It wasn't until four days later when police got a call from a neighbor complaining that her stereo was too loud that anyone knew what happened to Joan. An autopsy showed that she had been struck in the head at least 
37 times, fracturing her skull and damaging her brain. Ten months passed without incident, and people began to let their guard down once more, assuming Joan's attack was simply a one-off. In reality, Harvey Robinson had been arrested for burglary and served eight months in prison. Shortly after his release, on June 5, 1993, a 15-year-old newspaper carrier named Charlotte Schmoyer disappeared while on her route. A customer looked outside and saw Charlotte's cart in front of her window, but no sign of the young girl. She called the newspaper offices and Charlotte's supervisors attempted to locate her. Police went searching for the girl and found her abandoned cart, headset, and bike along with finger streaks on a nearby window. It was all becoming abundantly clear that the young girl had been abducted. That same afternoon, the body of Charlotte Schmoyer was found in a wooded area just off of her regular route. She had been raped, stabbed over 20 times, and buried under a stack of logs near a reservoir. From her body, they were able to collect blood samples, a pubic hair, and a head hair from the man who attacked the young girl. These pieces would become crucial in the capture and conviction of the Allentown serial killer. Harvey Robinson, found speeding away from the area where Charlotte was found, was pulled over by police. He was given a speeding ticket, told to slow down, and sent on his way. On June 17, 1973, John and Denise Sam Kelly had their home broken into while they were away, a home that was located not far from where Charlotte was abducted. A few things were taken, most notably John's gun collection, but the couple was luckily out of town and left unharmed. The robbery did, however, leave John on edge. He purchased three new guns for their protection and kept a diligent lookout for anyone suspicious in their neighborhood. On June 20th, 1993, Harvey broke into yet another Allentown home. This time, he entered the woman's home and choked and raped her five-year-old daughter. The young girl survived, but just barely. Police surmised that he entered the home to attack the girl's mother, but found her in bed with her partner, so settled for the daughter. Eight days later, Denise Sam Callie, armed and anxious about the attacks in her neighborhood, was home alone with her husband out of town. She woke in the middle of the night to hear sounds coming from her walk-in closet and, understandably, freaked out. She ran from her room, but just as she was about to get out, she felt an arm grab her and pull her back inside. The pair struggled and Denise was able to get away just as far as her front yard before Harvey Robinson grappled her to the ground. They struggled and Denise got a good bite out of the inside of his arm, but he was able to overpower her, punch her repeatedly, and then rape her. Her screams woke her neighbor, who turned on her porch light and scared off her attacker. When police arrived, Denise was severely beaten, but still alive. When she recovered from her injuries, the Sam Callies went out of town. On July 14, 1993, Harvey was ready to strike again. This time, he successfully raped and murdered 47-year-old Jessica Jean Fortney, who was found in the living room of her daughter and son-in-law's home. She had been strangled and severely beaten by Harvey Robinson, but what he didn't know was that Jessica's granddaughter had silently witnessed the entire attack and was able to give enough detail to the police that they had a pretty accurate description of his appearance. On July 18, 1993, the Sam Callies came home hoping their neighborhood had returned to its normal, safe self. But just in case it hadn't, they equipped the whole house with a home security system. 
At around 4 a.m., Denise heard a sound at the back door and saw it slowly open. As it did, Harvey was shocked to hear the installed alarm start to sound. He took off into the night before anyone could respond to the alarm. But by now, police were certain that he would come back to the Sam Kelly home as he made it pretty clear that he wanted to finish the job. A sting operation was arranged and an officer was posted at the Sam Kelly home every single night. Thankfully, he didn't have to wait long and on July 31st at around 1.25 a.m., Harvey Robinson returned to the Sam Kelly home to get rid of Denise once and for all. He broke into the window and, just as he got into the house, an officer identified himself and told Harvey to freeze. He responded by shooting at the officer, who, in turn, fired back at him. The officer managed to get into the couple's room and told them to take cover while he called for backup. Harvey managed to escape but injured himself at some point, leaving a trail of blood as he left. The local hospitals were alerted, and when he showed up to seek treatment, the now 18-year-old was arrested. With the help of DNA and the two surviving victims, the case against Harvey Robinson, one of the young serial killers in the nation's history, was pretty airtight. A jury found him guilty of both rape and three counts of murder, and he was sentenced to 97 years plus three death sentences, though his lawyers were able to get two of those reduced to life imprisonment over the years. In October of 2019, a Pennsylvania judge urged Harvey to consider donating his brain, which lawyers had argued for years was severely damaged, to science, calling it the one gift you can give. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 7th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.